Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Multispeed Technologies, the Ask Noah show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open this hour to be a part of the program. It is a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. It's 1-855-450-6624 or send an email to live at asknoahshow.com. My name is Noah Chalai. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you as another episode of the Ask Noah Show kicks off this hour. Christmas is just around the corner, and by just around the corner, I mean a couple of hours away. So I decided to invite my friend Ryan Dosgeek uh, from Destination Linux and the Destination Linux Network onto the show to talk about what kind of gifts you might want to buy that geek in your life. Ryan, welcome into the program. Thanks for having me. I love being back. So I want to give a little bit of history because... The truth is, this is not my idea. Um, this is something that you've done on your YouTube channel uh, for years on Das Geek. And so if people want to find a way, uh, if they're looking for insight into technology and hardware news and reviews, um, that's something that you publish on, on a weekly basis on YouTube. Yeah, generally during the holiday season, I talk about through the year, what are some of the best gadgets that I've played with? And it's been just kind of a tradition that I've done on my channel for a while. But listen, the opportunity to do it on the Ask Noah show, there's no doubt. I was like, well, we'll forgo it this year. And I sent everybody from my channel to say, hey, listen for this episode. This is where we're going to drop the hardware news this year. I love it. And the, the, you've already had some feedback. I was just talking to Zeb, who's our co-host on, on Destination Linux on Sundays, and he was saying that he you recommended a Bluetooth adapter to him. And he said, it's just I plugged it in. It is just the best Bluetooth adapter money can buy. And it works natively with Linux. And so as, as a person like myself who's interested in devices that work with Linux, but who is also interested in the best possible device that works with Linux, I have a lot of respect and, and, and a lot of interest in your opinions and insights to these things and it, this is kind of a hobby for you throughout the year you buy these uh these little gadgets and things and then you play with them and then you kind of condense down and go well there's the box of stuff we're going to send to michael because uh it's junk and here's the stuff that we're actually going to recommend that other people oh i'm sorry was that out loud here's the stuff that we're going to recommend other people buy absolutely so what we're referring to there is the aventree leaf which is a very inexpensive bluetooth adapter and what happened was Zeb had purchased a brand new set of Bluetooth headphones. He wanted to use it during the show. But anybody who's messed with Bluetooth technology long enough knows that you tend to have issues at times with connecting. Either it wants to connect to the wrong device because it's stored multiple you know, laptops or phones or things, or the signal just isn't strong enough and you have to keep resetting it and those things. But through my playing on Linux and, and testing out all the hardware, I found this $29 device, the Aventree Leaf, and you plug it in and it just has such a strong connection signal, works with Linux out of the box. You don't need any special drivers or anything else. You're going to sync your headphones to it. And now every time he wants to do the show, he throws on the headphones and it grabs that connection. It's so powerful. It'll keep grabbing that connection from a far, far distance. Now, a lot of people have the Bluetooth and things built into their motherboards and stuff. But I still would recommend trying out this $29 device if you've had any trouble syncing Bluetooth in Linux before. 
it will help you tremendously. Now, as we go through the episode, if you have any questions or you want to know where to purchase any of these things, we'll have a complete list for you of everything we talk about in the episode. You can find that at podcast.asknoahshow.com. Scroll down to the show notes. You'll find links to everything that we're going to talk about. Ryan, one of the things that I came across this year that I thought was really cool and people, uh, I find a need for this all the time, and I don't know that everybody even realizes that this device exists, but it's called the Vonnet, V-O-N-E-T-S, and it's the VAP 11G, and it is a wireless Wi-Fi adapter that basically you take this adapter and you log into it and you uh, point it towards an SSID of a wireless network. And then at the other end is an Ethernet cable and a USB port or a USB cable. And so you plug the USB cable into your power into a power source or the device itself. And then you plug the Ethernet cable into a device that requires a wired internet connection and voila you've now turned your device that requires a wired internet connection and you've connected it to your network wirelessly over wi-fi and uh, it was just literally just dealt with this with a friend of mine he bought a smart tv a few years back and his smart tv did not have wi-fi it just had a wired internet connection and next to his entertainment center there's no wired connection his house isn't wired for anything like that and he asked me said is there anything that we can do now there are some special games adapters that have been out for years, but they usually run 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars. Well, the Vonnet VAP 11G is 19 bucks. It's 1998 on Amazon and will allow you to convert any device into a wireless device. And so uh, to me, that's a really useful thing to have around. And I keep a couple of them actually in the shop and I carry one in my backpack just in case I ever have that wired device that I need to connect to Wi-Fi. That's Awesome. I absolutely love that. So I've used something similar in the past for a different reason. There are times where, you know, I'm always buying different equipment to find out if it works in Linux, different laptops, different devices. And sometimes you get that laptop and listen, I got to be around the family when I'm geeking out on all this stuff. Sometimes. Sure. So I'm not downstairs or next to a router. So there's this device, the Linksys N300 Wi-Fi range extender, which basically just you plug it into a wall you plug an Ethernet cable into it, and it turns that wireless signal into an Ethernet connection, which if you have a laptop where, let's say, this particular laptop, the Ethernet adapt or the Wi-Fi adapter is not detected in Linux right out of the box, it's kind of very similar to what you're saying. This kind of simulates an Ethernet connection, which generally works perfectly, and I can at least get to the Internet, download the drivers that I need, and continue using the device. So kind of a similar purpose. Absolutely. What other devices have you played with this year? So I have fallen in love recently with, have you had a good keyboard? Have you ever purchased or spent oh, money on a good keyboard? Man, I have bounced back and forth all day long on keyboards. I have a whole bin full of keyboards, that, and there's various different things I like about the different keyboards. Please give me some good advice about a keyboard. All right, so I, I have, if you look on my channel, I've got tons of reviews on different keyboards, and they all have their wins and, you know, their give and takes, the good and bad. But recently, I got my hands on a Corsair K70 RGB MK2 low-profile keyboard. This thing, if you put your hands on it and start typing, you will instantly get geek sweats. I'm telling you, it is like, <laughs> it's a whole new world of keyboard perfection because I love the feel of mechanical keys, but you know, doing podcasts and things like that, there are times where I don't need that full click to come through if I'm trying to search on anything while we're doing a podcast or whatnot, but I still want it for the ability to game. I want the ability to type on it and, you know, be productive 
I need all of those things in one keyboard. And the Corsair Low Profile gives you all of that. You get these fantastic switches in this keyboard. It uh, has the keys, so you don't have to have software to change the RGB lighting. So if you don't like it, you can turn it off. Or if you just want one color, you can do that all from the switches on the keyboard itself versus trying to get software that works in different operating systems and all of that. It's just a beautiful keyboard. I'm in love with it. Okay, now I have to ask. Some of the problems I've had with the RGB and media pass-through and all of those kinds of things is they don't really work well on Linux. So I have to ask, was this one of those things where you can change the color and do all of that in Linux? Or is it, is it done on the hardware? Or do you have to install, uh, 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 you have to borrow Michael's Windows machine to, to, to program the thing? <laughs> That's the perfect part about this. You do not have to have the software to change the colors. There's a little switch right on the top uh, on the, of the keyboard itself that you can hit and change the color profiles if you want it to blink and all that stuff, which personally, I don't want any of that, right? I just want one solid color and the rest of it to stay normal. But if you're into all of those different blinking lights and things, you have that, or you can write from the keyboard, just turn that off entirely. And in Linux, out of the box, all of the extra multimedia keys used, there's a separate play button above the keypad, a stop button and a volume up switch. All of that works in Linux, just plug it in. And... The best part, a lot of keyboards don't come with that extra USB port. So, you you know, you basically use a USB port up in your computer, uh, but you don't have an extra one on the keyboard. This has an extra port there right off of your keyboard, which is really convenient for plugging things in that you need on your desk right into the keyboard itself. I love that. That's been added to my Christmas list for this year. One of the questions I get from people all the time, Ryan, is I'm looking for a new router. What should I buy? And obviously, my experience primarily stems from the fact that we work inside of businesses and we work inside of small, medium businesses to large businesses. Now, any large organization, we're typically using PFSense, any of the small to medium businesses, and honestly, even some of the large businesses, we're using Microtech. Um, But when it comes to the home user, if you're not looking to be a nerd, if you don't want all features out the wazoo and and control panels and CLI access and SSH access and open VPN stuff. You don't want any of that. You just want a router for grandma or a router for mom or a router for the kids. Um, and, and you're just looking for just a basic router. I've been really happy with the TP-Link AC1750 smart Wi-Fi router. And the thing I like about it is uh, I don't use any of the smart features because it does have the capability of tying into Alexa and stuff like that. I don't do any of that. But I I have used the parent controls for uh, some of our residential customers that uh, that want to take advantage of that. I've also had some people that have flashed it with uh, OpenWRT, and they know there is a uh, or there was at least maybe they've got it resolved. But there was a conflict with a five gigahertz radio, so have that in mind. The thing I like about this router, Ryan, is it's fifty seven bucks, and so you're gonna get wow. an AC. Uh, router, which is no longer the latest standard, but it is the latest ratified standard uh, for Wi-Fi. You're going to get that. You're going to get that for sixty bucks, and um, you know, fantastic performance, fantastic reliability. I found this to be a really solid router. So if you're looking for, again, not going to, you're not. This is not the kind of router you want to put in your office. It's not the kind of router you want to put down in your geek lab. Um, it's the kind of router that you buy when you don't want to manage a router or when you don't want to pay attention to the router. And I found TP-Link to be a pretty decent company about staying on top of firmware updates and stuff like that. So I feel pretty comfortable from that perspective. The smart features that are there are easily shut off. Um, and I have connected it to a switch and watched to see if uh, what it's calling out or what it's doing. And it seems like it's they're playing on the up and up. So overall, I've, I've considered it to be a, a very good router. And for an extra 10 bucks. 
the TP-Link from the same series has a five-port switch. So if you purchase the uh, the the, the TP-Link AC1750 and it only has four LAN jacks at the back and you need to connect more devices, for an extra 10 bucks, you can add another five jacks on. And uh, and so I think that's a really cost-effective way to go through uh, to get a Wi-Fi router. Absolutely. I love that you're, you've got a great price point there because a lot of these solutions are very expensive. Like right. you're, you're a, you've been a big proponent in the past and I know you're kind of on the fence and some of the things are doing with ubiquity, but yeah. they have, I mean, it's very expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Even their home systems, $339. Yes. So you're going to put some serious money down for that, but you've given an option there that's really low cost. Now, personally, I invested early on before I, I, you know, you were talking about Ubiquiti and some of these TP links in Netgear Orbi. So oh, I have yeah. a three-story home. So uh, my three-story home is served by this mesh network utilizing Orbeez. And I also have one because each one of their stations has Ethernet ports in the back, which is really nice. You can kind of utilize it as, for instance, in the basement where I have the big server and things. I have, you know, one of those down there and it plugs directly into the Ethernet ports on the back of that one and I have one upstairs and I've got one in different rooms so that I have signal throughout the house. However, it is very expensive. All of those, you know, add-ons are a hundred bucks a piece. Plus you're going to have a $290 initial investment. So the TP link, probably a better route to go. And, and, but you've been happy with the Orbi. If you're looking for something a little bit, because you can't really expand the TP link, right? So you, you plug it in and basically if you get good Wi-Fi, then you have good Wi-Fi. And if you don't get good Wi-Fi, then you don't have good Wi-Fi. That's pretty much the, the end of the uh, troubleshooting chain there with the with the orbi have you found that to be a pretty easily extensible system it is it's very easy to extend and the controls over the device itself have gotten much better over the years when i first had it i was a little bit disappointed with some of the options within the software but they have continued to add in different vpn services allow you to break up the network into uh, VLANs, which wasn't a feature of, involved in it at the very beginning. So we're starting to get a lot of the features you would look for in a, you know, a, a semi-professional setup for your home, let's say. And they're starting to add that in. So it's gotten much better over the years. I don't know that I would say go out there and definitely get it, but because of the cost involved in setting it up, but it's certainly better than say going out there and getting a Google Home solution. Right, you know your metadata is going to be taken. Yeah, if not the straight up data. I mean, you know they they exactly. call it they call it metadata, and the thing I really struggle with, Ryan, is I don't really understand what that means. You know, you know they they want to say that it's not valuable because it isn't tied to a person, but the reality is my location tied to my identity is very much information about me just because it's not information i intended to transmit just because it's not information i intended for other people to have doesn't negate the fact that where i go how fast i get there what path i take to get there is all integrally private to me um do your do your kids or do you does your family have a nintendo switch we do not have a nintendo switch yet we do have a playstation that we play quite a bit what do you think about the nintendo switch so I was an early, as soon as the Nintendo Switch comes out, like most things, I was in line and, and purchased it the night it came out. My kids at that point were just too young to really play it. Now I think they would enjoy it a lot, but despite my trying to convince them that's what they need, my kids are still young enough that they just wanted Legos instead. But probably next year we'll have one back in the house. But at that point when it first came out, I sold it because there was really only one game. And like I said, my kids were too young to play. 
but I think the Switch is an incredible device. I mean, look how popular it has become. It's fantastic for the kids because there's a lot of family-friendly games on there that you can play that adults still have a blast with. Um, so it, I think it's a fantastic system, and I love that you have the ability to take it on the go and also dock the device. And it's interesting because Nintendo basically was making a killing off of their DS systems. And they decided, hey, we're going to incorporate the console and the remote system, the DS system, all in one, and basically killed a big segment of their business by doing so because they knew this thing would likely be very popular. People are on the go nowadays. And I think that their prediction was true. This Switch is sold like crazy. I was in Japan when the when the switch was announced and um Japan has always leaded the United States by just a little bit especially with when it comes to Nintendo and so I I had an sure. opportunity before they were even available in the United States to actually play on one in Japan. And I was I remember the the salesman in now mind you there's a language barrier here and he was explaining uh the concept in the Nintendo Switch and that it was this device that was basically like a tablet and you could attach the controllers to the sides and then you could play it like a Game Boy or you could put it into the dock and then the controllers would somehow magically pair wirelessly and you'd be able to use it just like it was a regular desktop console and I thought man that that would be the bee's knees if that actually worked it won't it'll never work but that would be really great if that actually was the case. So fast right. forward the next Christmas, it's literally December 24th. Now that's one year, that was last year. Uh, December 24th uh, of last year, and my wife and I are driving around doing some last minute Christmas shopping, and I look over and I say, hey, should, uh, should we just swing over to GameStop or Walmart or whatever? <laughs> should, we, should we get Nintendo Switch for the kids? She goes, how much are they? I said, I don't know, 300 bucks, and probably we'd have to spend another 100, 150 bucks to do it right with games and stuff. She's like, yeah, let's do that. So, okay, so we go, we get the game, you know, we get the, the, the Switch and all that. I made the mistake of bringing it home and thinking to myself, uh, what the, the advice that I was given, which is solid advice, by the way, when you go to buy games for the Switch, do not buy them on the cartridges. You have the option of buying them on the cartridges or buying them on the store. The reason I was told to not buy them on the cartridges, and this makes sense to me, is once you buy them as a, as a, uh, on the online store, they're associated with your account, and anytime you buy a new Switch, if anything happens to it, you just sign in and all your games come back down. If you buy the physical game uh, and anything ever happens to the Switch and it has the game ins you know, inserted into it or whatever on the card or however it comes, you're out the game. Nintendo won't replace it, or so I'm told. And yeah. and so I, I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. So I go to buy Super Smash Brothers because that was a game that I grew up playing. I thought that'll be fun to play with my kids. So the kids, we tell them, hey, you're going to open a Christmas Christmas Eve present. You're going to open it early. And they did. And we plug it in. And then we went to download Super Smash Brothers. Well, guess what? Christmas Eve, everybody's downloading Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo Switch. So it, the little thing pops up, says it'll be available in five hours and 31 minutes. <laughs> that's a great way to kill Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. So so we're waiting and we let them stay up and we ended up playing. And I remember setting it up for the first time, plugging the 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 console. I put the switch into the little dock and all of a sudden uh, it pops up on the screen and the controllers like magically pair just like the guy said they would. And I thought to myself, this thing really lives up to the promise. And true enough, for the first like nine months, my kids never knew that it wasn't just a desktop console. They thought that you could that that that's just what it was. They had no clue that you could actually take it out and play it. So imagine their shock and surprise the first time we went on a trip and they were, yeah, we wanted we wanted to play with the Switch. And now we're going to have to go on this trip. And hey, guess what? Put it in the back seat of the car, and now they're now they're 
playing the games in the back of the car. They thought that was the coolest thing ever. Well, my Christmas, one of the Christmas things that I recommend you get any of your friends or family, in addition to the Switch, if you have that, there is a mount called Total Mount from the Nintendo Switch. And it's $19. And what it does, it is a cradle to put the dock for the Nintendo Switch in so that you can mount the Nintendo Switch right next to the television. I am OCD to the max. I don't like to see cables. I don't like to see wires. Everything has to be neat and in the walls or hidden. And so all of my TVs are mounted to the wall and all of the cables are behind them. It just looks like the TV floats in the middle of the wall. And that's the way I like it. And so when we got the Switch... I there are three things I wanted to accomplish. The first thing was it had to look neat when it was connected to our television. The second thing was I wanted it to be able to bounce from my room to the kids' room to the activity room that we have downstairs that the kids play in and the living room, depending on where we were going to be. And I didn't want to buy four Nintendo Switches. It didn't make any sense. We can only play one at a time, and it has this right. neat docking ability. So I bought four docks, and I bought four of these total mounts, and that's what we do. We take the Nintendo Switch to whatever room we're going to use it. The docks are all mounted right next to the TV, and I'll have a picture in the show notes and we just uh, we set put the dock or the Nintendo switch in the dock and we fire it up and we're able to play and then when we go on trips we're able to take it with us so the total amount for Nintendo switch as well as a, a a side vote for the Nintendo switch if you're looking for a great way to play uh, games with your kids man the switch does it well the my only complaint about it is there isn't a lot of first person shooters available and that's my game genre of choice and and so i'm not able to do that but uh the games that are there super smash brothers man rocket league we spend yeah. hours every single day playing a rocket league at least an hour or two a day uh with the kids playing rocket league they like it so much so a uh, huge praise to nintendo for the nintendo switch also by the way something else uh, a good friend of mine works at uh, at nintendo in fact you might know him it's a uh, rikai a uh, former video producer of the ask noah show and um, Rikai works for Nintendo, and he told me that they have a deal for like $150. They will fix your screen. So I know a lot. I've, I've known a couple of people that have dropped their switch and broke the screen. It's a flat fee, and Nintendo, the company itself, will fix it for you. You don't have to go to some third-party weird broker thing that you're not quite sure how they're going to treat it or if they're going to be able to put it back. To, no, the people that actually built the box will fix the screen for you for a flat fee. Very nice. Yeah, Nintendo Switch is a fantastic gift idea. What they else? also have the new just portable version uh, that is a lot less money. I think about $100 less that you can get. Now, you can't dock it, but you get all the features and portability. And if you can't um, you know, afford the $299 for the console itself, then you could get that version at least, uh, which will allow you to play a lot of those games and have the portable Switch. Very cool. What else is on your Christmas list this year? Well, listen, uh, headphones, good audio. I always say on my channel that I've, when I've done these lists that one of the best gifts you can give somebody is the gift of true, good, high-fidelity audio through headphones. Now, if you go and you buy a speaker system that you set up in your home, you could spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to get good audio. And depending on how you set it up in your house, that audio can still vary. I've known people who've spent a lot of money on audio systems still get Pretty bad quality because they didn't really plan it out with their uh, rooms very well out of uh, the equipment that they buy. But headphones is just that thing that can, you know, bring you into a moment, give you peace, make it so you don't have to hear your kids screaming for five or ten minutes around the house. <laughs> it's a beautiful gift. And if you are one of those people who have just, you know, listened to the headphones that come with your phone or... Uh, go to the store and spend less than $30 on the headphones. I'm telling you, you're missing out on a whole new world of audio. 
Now, Bluetooth is something that I've typically stayed away from. I have found most headphones in the Bluetooth arena to be absolute garbage when it comes to audio quality. They're convenient, but they're garbage audio quality. There's a few exceptions. But recently, I came across what I consider the holy grail in Bluetooth headphones, and that is the Sony WH-1000X M3s. These have some of the best sound, the best sound stage I have heard in any Bluetooth headphones out there. They're noise canceling headphones. Uh, the mids, the lows, the highs. You also have an app with it that allows you to adjust and equalize these on the go. 30 hours of battery life. I've noticed they get about 24 hours of straight music playtime, which is incredible. Uh, with just 10 minutes of charge, you get five more hours of listening. On these, they use USB-C. They also have this incredible feature where, let's say, you know, somebody's yelling at you in your house and you've decided to tune it out, but then maybe your spouse comes in the room and starts yelling. You're like, hey, I probably need to listen up. You can hold your uh, hand to the right side of the headphone and it turns off the noise canceling and brings back in all of the sounds. So wow. You can hear clearly. And as soon as you move your hand away, it goes back to canceling all the noise out. They are just incredible. And I've actually had the opportunity to hear these headphones, and you're not just whistling Dixie. These are great, great headphones. And the thing that I like about them is when the battery dies, uh, audio still passes through. Now, you're going to lose the active noise canceling, but at least you can still hear your audio. And I have been on too many plane rides where I've had Bluetooth headphones, and the battery has died, and then I'm just, uh, you know... Uh, in the water without a paddle. Uh, I, I carry a small uh, set of Etymotic uh, Research earbuds that I use yeah. as kind of my backup, but but there's the the Sonys, like you said, the, the audio quality are just far and away better than anything else out there. It comes with recommendations from both of us, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I would be interested to know from a wired headset standpoint what might be on your list. For me, it's the AKG K702s. Really? Those just sound insane. Now, you got to have, to me, to really get those pushed, you're not going to be able to push them through your phone uh, very well. I mean, you'll be able to listen to good audio, but if you really want to have that sound stage open up in them, get a external DAC or even a portable DAC uh, to really push the power. But the AKG K702s are definitely have been on my list for a couple of years now as some of my favorite, for the price, headphones that you can get out there. I uh, I don't have a lot of experience with various headphones because uh, for a couple of reasons I the headphones that I use here in the studio are uh, are Sony I think these are MDR seventy six oh sixers or something like that um, and yeah. I wouldn't necessarily recommend them for daily listening they're just they're headphones that are that have a very accurate representation of the human voice and when you're doing radio that's what you need and so that's why right. I've, and, and they're comfortable to wear for long periods of time but I don't they don't sound, they they're very flat headphones they don't they don't artificially improve anything and there are some people that like that uh, when they're listening to music personally I look at headphones the same way I look at microphones i don't want a microphone that gives me the exact perfect flat response i have some i have some microphones that are very expensive and they're, they're actually called reference microphones and they're designed for measuring things uh measuring sound and 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 measuring the you know the frequencies that are, that are coming through and stuff when we're setting up speakers and, and and this that and the other i would never use those for podcasting or for radio because i want the microphone to enhance my voice i don't just want it to accurately reproduce it in the same way, with headphones, I look when I'm using daily listening headphones, I want something that improves the audio, that, that smooths it out, that makes it sound right. you know good to me. And the best I've found that I've tried myself, I've not used the AKGs, is the 
Barodynamics DT990s. And oh, yeah. uh, have you used them? Absolutely. That's a great recommendation. I, yep. I've I've really been happy with them. I think they've done a really good job. Now, they're a little bulky and they're a little difficult to take with you. Um, and so where mine sit is actually at my editing desk when I'm when I'm editing stuff. Um, and so I'll I, I'll have to pick up a, a, a set of the uh, a set of the seven oh the AKG seven oh two and see how those compare. Both of them are similar size. Both of them are similar in price point. So I think you'd be fine right. uh, no matter which way you go. Uh, I found the AKG in the past the AKG headphones that I have used they don't hug my head as tight as I would like them to and I'm sure there's probably an equal amount of people out there that would say the opposite like I don't want headphones that are tight I want them to just kind of loosely set on top of my head and that's been my experience with AKG Yeah and to truly open up these this style of headphones I, I really recommend that if you can get yourself a DAC even if it's not a super expensive DAC yes. because it's it's just going to really, you're going to hear a whole different profile come out of headphones like this. If you're just running them through your phone or even through your motherboard's built-in you know, sound card, it's just not going to have the ability to push them to their full capabilities, especially when you get into these price range. So it's fine if you're doing just some random listening of songs, but when you really want to get lost in your music, if you have that DAC and a pair of headphones like the Bear Dynamics you recommended, the AKGs, mm-hmm. Even these Sonys, it it can just calm your day. It can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, I can't work without music. Uh, I I have to have that. And uh, actually, speaking of that, when we redid our shop, we were just we we're doing some light remodeling, and one of the things that I I purchased for the shop is a new amplifier. Now, what I was looking for was an amplifier that offered good, high quality sound with uh, a a basic feature set. I didn't want some smart device that was connecting to a bunch of different things. And I certainly didn't want, you know, a massive stereo system. I just wanted a small amplifier that I could pair with speakers of my choosing and, uh, and I, and I could get that up and running. And what I settled on was the SMSL AD18. It's a hi-fi audio stereo amplifier. It supports Bluetooth. It has an aux jack in it. Um, and it supports 80 watts at uh, at 8 ohms. And so it's a nice little amplifier. Uh, probably I would equate it to about maybe four cell phones. St- if you t- duct tape four cell phones together, um, that's about how thick it is and about how wide and, and the dimensions of it. Um, just a small little jobby. And when I pulled it out of the box, the thing that stood out to me, Ryan, was the build quality of this thing. I mean, it's just yes. absolutely fantastic. And so we put that in the shop. And uh, and connected it to a pair of Electro Voice speakers, um, just something that I had laying around, and it sounds great. It sounds fantastic. And so, if you're looking for a small amplifier, they're 145 bucks on Amazon. Of course, again, like I say, all of these that we're talking about, we'll have links for you in the show notes. So visit those at podcast.asknoahshow.com. But the uh, the the SMSL8018. If you're looking for a small amplifier, small stereo system, or the other thing I've recommended to people is, I get people that ask me, what should I use for computer speakers? Well, if you're not going the if you're not going the headphone route, um, which is probably what your family would prefer, if you're going to go the dedicated, I want speakers and I want to hear them. Well, check out the eighty eighteen hi fi stereo amplifier because it's a great way to get good high quality audio out of your out of your computer. Very nice for audio for my computers. I've been using the Edifier R twelve eighty Ts. Now these are more of a monitoring speaker, so they, but they have fantastic sound all the way around. So you could certainly use them for music or other things as well. But these Edifier powered bookshelf speakers are really well known. Two thousand seven hundred and thirty-seven 
four and a half star reviews to give you an idea. I mean, people love them across the industry. Really good monitor speaker, fairly inexpensive. Of course, you know, you can go up to the thousands of dollars in this range, but uh, my wife wouldn't allow it. So that's the best I could do. And I love the fact that the, that that uh, that they're an inexpensive speaker and they have the amplifier built in. So you're not going to have any cables draped all over the place. There's not going to be any complicated setup. It's just take them out of the box, plug them in, connect them to your computer and you're good to go. Absolutely. And they look beautiful, too. So no one will complain about, uh, you know, looking not fitting in with the rest of your stuff. On the go, people want to take, especially geeks, need to take all their tech with them. And sometimes finding the right way or the right apparatus to carry stuff with can be difficult. Um, in the past few years, what we have settled on at AltaSpeed for handing out to our technicians, we bought them Timbuktu Q laptop backpacks. Now, this is a backpack, again, available on Amazon for $46. And the thing about I like about this backpack is it has pockets out the wazoo. Everything has its own dedicated pocket. And you know what the best pocket out there is ryan a dedicated laptop power supply pocket how many times do you pull your backpack out and go to grab your laptop and you need the power supply and you're digging through to find it and the laptop's about to die and you're going to lose your vpn connection your file transfer is going to fit like it's a big deal you need that power adapter and so having a dedicated place for the power adapter and a dedicated place for the laptop itself seems like two musts in a laptop. And Timbuktu, the quality of these things is fantastic. I have beat the crap out of mine. And the only reason I replaced it was because it was actually stolen out of my car. Four years getting drugged to service calls in and out of ceilings, around places, in and out of my car, in through airports. And this the Timbuktu Q laptop backpack has been fantastic. That sounds amazing. I have a backpack. I prefer a backpack when I'm traveling with my electronic equipment because it's just easier for a backpack than, you know, having one of these lap bags or something else to carry around. Absolutely. Just throw it on your back, especially if you're cruising through an airport. Now, I had one, and I don't even know the brand. My company gave it to me for winning employee of the year type thing, and uh, I've been using it ever since. But I don't have a dedicated power supply holder. You've sold me on this. <laughs> I will own one of these. That's awesome. I love it. Um, anything else that's on your Christmas list? There are a lot of things that I really recommend for people to check out that I wouldn't say because the problem with buying stuff for me or that my wife will tell you is that I buy hardware throughout the year. So she never knows what I have coming from Amazon uh, that's on its way. But some of my favorite things this year, certainly we have to talk about AMD. Oh, yeah. One of the things you would want to get for your geek in your life is a new GPU or maybe a new motherboard or CPU. Absolutely. I think. AMD, obviously, in this market right now has dominated for price for performance. So I, even though, you know, we could talk about all the super expensive, new, ridiculous amount of cores and thread AMDs out there, what I'm seeing the best deals on right now, if you're in the market for this or in the market to get this for somebody in your life, and what a gift, right? Uh, It would be the Ryzen 7 2700X. I think that's one of the best CPUs and the prices on them right now are just insanely low with combo kits and things from Newegg or Amazon or wherever you like to grab your equipment. And we're talking a just you're you're never going to max this thing out and you can pick one up right now for 150 bucks. It's just insane. And this is a processor now? Yeah, this is the Ryzen 7 2700X processor. And you probably, you know, there's a lot of combo deals out there. So look for that. But I would pair this with the X470 MSI Gaming Plus motherboard if you're doing that combo. And what would you recommend for a for a, uh, for a graphics card? This is an Wait, interesting hold on, hold on. one. For the motherboard, 470 or 570? 
you can get the 570, but if you're pairing it with the R, the 72700X, you might as well just stick with the 470 because you're going to get a better price on it right now. Gotcha. Now, the 570 is going to get you your PCI 4 speeds and things like that, but a lot of things aren't taking advantage of it at the moment. Certainly, if you want to spend the money, go with the Ryzen 9 3900X and pair that with the X570, and you're going to have a whole new world in front of you of gaming power. Uh, but price for performance, Ryzen 7 2700X and the X470, you're going to be living large. Outstanding. And I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What would what would you say you'd pair that with with a graphics card? You know, right now it's really interesting. I've recommended, you know, up to this point, a lot of people check out the RX 580 and the RX 590. I still would recommend those. They're still very good, high-performance cards that you could game on and also do production-level, um, you know, uh, audio encoding or video encoding or anything else and it's going to run fantastic and get them for a good price a lot of people like the rx 5700 xt that's come out i will tell you that if you are somebody who you know prefers or has to have an ubuntu base their current versions of ubuntu do not support it out of the box however uh, if you're on fedora or other distros they do have the mesa drivers built right in already so you won't have any problem there but if you're a somebody who just has to have ubuntu uh, that's not the card for you. I'd go with the RX 590 or the Radeon 7 is the beast of all that AMD has out there in their GPU market. And you can get them for a really good price right now. And that's what I personally run. What does the what is the Radeon 7 going for right now? The Radeon 7, not with any sales or anything, is, is running around the $500 mark. But you're starting to see them drop into the 400s, uh, depending if, you know, being on the lookout for a sale, but it's normal prices around the $500 mark. Now, again, this is the premium best card that AMD has out at the moment. So you're going to pay a little bit for it compared to, you know, the NVIDIA equivalent. You're going to be in, uh, you know, several hundred dollars, if not more above that. So it's still a really good value, but this is a premium, premium seven nanometer GPU. One of the things I'm hoping to do, Ryan, for 2020 is I want to get more organized. And one of the things that is fundamentally keeping me from doing that is hard copies. People still use this antiquated service where they print things out on paper like animals and then hand it to me and expect me to hang on to it like an animal. And it just drives me nuts. And so what I'm doing to eliminate all of the paper waste in my life is I'm scanning it into as, as, as high resolution PDF documents and then I'm saving them to my NAS. And uh, and of course, we I've talked numerous times on the program, and I know you have set up a a, um, a free NAS box as well. So obviously, Western Digital Reds and 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 Supermicro boards, if you're looking to build a server, are great choices. But the Canon CanoScan LIDE25 is one of the only scanners I've ever found that I can purchase uh, brand new still, and I can take it out of the box and plug it into my Linux box and press the scan button. And simple scan opens up, and the page is scanned. And I can do photos, or I can do P I can do text and PDF. It's a great basic scanner. Now, is it an archivable uh, quality scanner for for scanning those uh, those those the photos that you only have one copy of and you want to keep them forever? No, it's not. It's not that. You should. I mean, good, really good photo scanners that do a really good job that actually digitize a printed photo cost tens of thousands of dollars. And so, your best choice is to send that to a facility who specializes in that. But if you're just looking for a way to scan the kids' school photos, if you're just looking for a way to scan the var various documents that you don't want, you need access to. 
Um, the, the, the things that the city and state government send you for your house or property taxes and stuff like that. You want to keep those things, but you don't want to be, uh, pretend like you're living in the 1920s with a gigantic file cabinets all over the place. And you want to be modern and normal and scan those things and, and, and be a rational human being and, and use search functions. Well, the Canon CanoScan LIDE 25 color image scanner is a great way to do that. And it's available on Amazon for 125 bucks. Can't beat that. That's awesome. Uh, anything, uh, anything from your list? Listen, I think we would be, uh, we, this would be a terrible list if we did not include this year Pine Book Pro. Oh yes. And I still don't have mine. So this is great. It's an actual Christmas present I'm going to get, and I don't know when I'm going to get it. <laughs> Santa hopefully brings it to you, but the Pine Book Pro is just to me, one of the most awesome pieces of tech out there for the price. Again, this is a $199 laptop. And it comes with a, you know, an ARM rock chip RK3390 SOC with a Mali T860 MP4 GPU. What's that mean? It's got a lot of power for this little $199 device. You get four gigabytes of RAM, a 1080p IPS panel. And this is the best part of it because I don't know about you, but there is nothing worse in my life than grabbing a laptop and it has this cheap plastic. Yeah. Press in on the keyboard. The keyboard kind of bends as you're typing and most keyboards in this price range are like that. It's very difficult to find one that's not. This has a magnesium alloy shell body. It is a fantastic keyboard on it. It comes with 64 gigabytes of RAM, but you can expand that right through the micro SD slot, which is also bootable. So if you want, if you're a distro hopper, you can throw in, you know, the Manjaro ARM version of it on a micro SD card, and you can have the Debian that comes with it, the customized Debian that it boots with. Or you can use the Manjaro ARM by just pushing in that micro SD card and it will boot right from there. And you can have both on the system, which is awesome. Uh, this it's is also hackable. This is a company I just can't get enough of. I mean, this is a company that does honest, good work and is really, really doing their part to bridge the technical divide. Right. And, uh, and, and, and every product that we've had a chance to put our hands on, I think both of us would agree with this is, is stellar quality. Like we look at it and we're like, how can you deliver this product for that price point? I mean, they are, they're, they're what Google and the Chromebook should have been a low cost, uh, l- l- not low power. I don't want to say low power. I don't want to mislead anybody thinking that it's a low power device, but it's just, it's not a premium computer. It's just a sure. really solid value computer. Um, and it, it's what the, it's, it's the, again, it's really, it's what the, the Chromebook and the stream books should have been a good quality laptop that runs actual Linux. That's free of cloud services, um, that you can do what you want with and you can play with and explore technology and get back to the kind of technology where nerds create something rather than buy something. Absolutely. If you look at the Chromebooks, they have, you know, it's a fantastic price point, but they run into an issue where the amount of software and the cloud-based infrastructure and the way they have their file system set up was such that you really couldn't do any real work on the thing. And what they did here in the pine and what they've tried to do to, you know, compete with that is they actually made it so you could boot Linux kind of on the side in a Chromebook because they needed to bring a real operating system on it. Well, you can skip all of that trouble and you can just basically buy this Pinebook Pro. You have a low cost machine that is within most people's budget, you know, at $199 and you can do real work on this. I have actually rendered videos on this. Does it take a long time? Sure. It's a low powered machine. 
but it's capable of doing it. And that's what's amazing about this machine. I've edited audio on this. I have wrote the shows for Destination Linux while I was traveling. And it's so small, so lightweight that you can throw it into your backpack and you won't even notice that it's there along with another laptop. Because for me, when I'm traveling, I have to bring a work laptop. And then I want a fun laptop to write shows and do other things because I don't want to mix the two. And so it's just, it's so small and thin, you could just throw it in there and carry it anywhere with you that you want. And it also has USB-C, which I know you love USB-C because you want some standard around there and not have to have 50 different types of cables around there. So you've got that as well. It actually goes further than that. It's to the point now where I don't think I could use on a daily basis a device that didn't have Type-C. And I realize how conceited and, and first world that sounds. But I have a device that I have fallen in absolute love with. Um, and it is made by a company called SciTech. And what it does is it gives me not one but two USB-C uh, ports that I can charge my laptop or my phone with. And so the nice thing about that device, and then it also has like four regular USB ports. And the thing that is so great about that that device is there are two devices that I have to keep charging me 100% of the time. And they are my phone and my laptop. And so this enables me to go to the bedside stand at any hotel and plug a single cable in and have two Type-C cords coming out of that one power adapter that then charge all of my devices. I absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. I am so sick of having, but I have so many cables. No, I don't even know what to do with them. I have buckets and, and every time I get rid of them, this is the problem. When you get rid of a cable, that's when you find out, oh, I've got that one stupid device that uses a non-standard interface that yep. threw away that cable and now I can't use it. And it, it's so frustrating. So I'm with you on this. I think we need to have a standard here and what devices are going to use and USB C's that. And if devices don't have it, I don't want it. I'm sick of hunting cables. I'm sick of storing cables for years on end. Absolutely. Speaking of devices that you just absolutely, we couldn't do an episode without talking about, I have to give a shout out to the NVIDIA Shield. If you're looking for a media player for your living room or your bedroom, uh, there are all sorts of interactive media players out there. They have, uh, you know, Chrome, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's the, the Chromecasts and they have Amazon Fire TVs and Roku sticks and, and regular Rokus. And the truth is all of those devices are, in my opinion, underpowered. The nice thing about the NVIDIA Shield is, especially the Pro version, it was specifically designed to be a gaming device, not a streaming device. And so the great thing about that is it allows us to... Uh, install Kodi, for example, and it runs Kodi like nobody's business. I wait for nothing on this thing. It just flies through, you know, through through crunching through transcoding media and stuff like that. And because I'm using Kodi and it's all local on my network, it means that I'm not reliant on any cloud service or any update service or anything like that. If tomorrow NVIDIA goes out of business and they stop making, well, they have stopped making the Pro, um, the other, it's still available use. The regular NVIDIA TV Shield is there. There is a rumor out that they're going to come up with a fire stick like alternative to the nvidia shield and word is out on what that will do and if it will be as performant probably not but uh if you're looking for the best media streamer out there you cannot go wrong with the nvidia shield tv absolutely and one of the things that you mentioned in there i think we should touch on before the end of the show and that is what devices to stay away from because you yes. mentioned the chromecast which i went and touched if you gave me one for free, it would be the first thing that I gave to that relative I don't like. Right. If you gave me an Amazon stick, it's the same thing I would do with it. 
and any of the Facebook related devices and gadgets and things out there, I would put in that same category. I just would not put those things, those listening devices in my home, not for anything. Yeah. But there's good. I was going to say, there's one that you mentioned recently and that's the ring and that's been all over the news. I can't stand these things. The Ring camera is a doorbell camera that attaches to your Wi-Fi. You download the app, and the promise is that when somebody pushes the doorbell, um, the camera lights up and sends the video to your phone, screen caps, and it's kind of like a, a smart doorbell camera intercom system all in one. The problem with it is, it, well, where to begin? We don't even have enough time to cover all the problems with it. But <laughs> suffice to say, they give access to these cameras without warrants to the, to, to the police departments. In fact, they have a special portal, so they make it the easiest thing in the world for police departments to log in and get footage off of your ring camera. They, uh, they're they not secure by default, which means that people are installing these things in their home. They're connecting them to the internet and using simple passwords. And what's happening is attackers are able to access this video feed because there's no firewall preventing it. A good camera system should exist behind a firewall and you should be manually allowing devices or people access through that firewall to the device. And of course, the ring is going to punch through your firewall, connect back to their server, and God only knows what information they're collecting, if not just your video uh, services. And some of the cheaper alternatives to the Ring doorbell are made by a company called Hike Vision, and they sell them under a bunch of different names. They sell them under the Uniden brand, and they sell them under um, I, I, just a bunch of them. If they're 100 or $200, chances are it's actually a Hike Vision um, doorbell. And all of that cloud video storage means that your videos are being stored unencrypted on some company server in China, and that should terrify you. So I, I'd recommend staying away from almost all. I'd go the ring doorbell for sure, but I'm inclined to say, Ryan, just stay away from smart cameras. Absolutely. I think these devices, and unless you're just going to stick them outside of your house in an area you don't care if somebody's sitting there watching, yes. maybe it's your backyard or something. If someone gifts you one, you can right. do that with it. But even then, I think because it's opening a port on your router, yeah. right, they try to make these things as easy as can be to set up. So as soon as you bring it home, they want to make it idiot proof. You basically plug it in and it does all these things behind the scenes that nobody goes and checks. I mean, let's be honest. Most people don't even change the default password on the router. And it's opening up ports so that you can connect to it anywhere from your app and look what's going on. But so can anybody else who has some basic, you know, hack kitty scripts that they're running on their machine, get into mm -hmm. that camera and view it. And you have situations out there in the news with these devices where kids, uh, where parents are having their kids get harassed through these devices. They're turning on the cameras. They're doing threats to people through them, you know, and it, it gets scary. I wouldn't put these devices in my home unless, like I said, I was going to put it on a dedicated VPN by itself yeah. in which it was looking at something that I could care less if they listened into or not because they're going to be staring at a tree. That's the only way I would put one of these in my home. It, and, 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 and to take that one step further, even if you're going to put it in your driveway, keep in mind the data metric of when you're at your house and when you're not at your house, when you're coming and when you're leaving. These are things that attackers may use. Somebody wants to rob your house and they have access to the camera and they can see when your whole family leaves, when you leave the teenage kids at home, I mean, those kinds of things uh, you're exposing yourself to. And so you should be aware of that. 
talking about devices we shouldn't buy for Christmas, I would never recommend any of the Nest devices, any of the Nest smart thermostats, any of the Nest cameras, any of the Nest, anything like that. Those things that you're putting into your house that are collecting metrics about you and about your family and about your kids. And that information is being sent back to companies like the Alphabet Corporation, who is using that information to to sell it. And, and Ryan, you sent a, you shared a link with me and we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, it's a terrifying uh, example a real world example of how people are being tracked using Android phones. This is so scary because what, what is happening in this article? And I suggest everybody take the time to not just look at it and skim through it, but read this and look at the graphics, the, the, the publishing company, I think it was New York times did a fantastic job on this particular piece because they gave you a visualization of what they were able to see from people having these apps. A lot of them were coupon-based apps on their device, which let's face it, in the holidays, you want coupons, you want to get the best deal. So you're probably downloading, or people are probably downloading a lot of these apps on their phone and they were tracking things, but they weren't just tracking things that were not important. They were able to find out people who were looking for different jobs. They were tracking Microsoft employee that was getting a job at Amazon. Because they were able to see their homes and then go and do this lookup online to see that address, they're able to figure out who these people are. It eventually led to even looking into people at Washington, looking at the Pentagon, finding generals and following them to their home. Like this stuff wow. is not, there was a time where people were sitting there stating hey, I don't do anything wrong, so it doesn't matter. And this is something I've combated on my channel for a long time to get people to really think that it's way more than that. It's a national security issue if you don't care about your own stuff, but it's also a personal yeah. issue. If somebody decides they don't like you and they want to find you, you having all of this stuff out there is so dangerous. So people need to start taking it a lot more serious. The best thing to do with these type of gifts, give them away to the relatives you don't like. <laughs> How long before a company, how long before the employers start paying for data metric services and you call into you call into work and say, yeah, I can't make it in today. Sorry, I have sick kids. And your employer then calls you into his office, sits you down and says, hey, yesterday at 1242, you left your house and, and spent four and a half hours here. Did you leave your kids alone or were they not that sick? That You know what I mean? Like the potential to be abused here is great. And I think people are not really paying attention to it. And and what's funny is, the, Ryan, the conversation that I seem to have with people is they say things like, well, when it starts to do bad things, then I'll be more suspicious of it. Look around. Wake up and look around. I mean, every day there's a new news article about something, somebody who's gotten screwed to the wall because of these smart devices that, and it's not just that the smart devices are, you know, that the companies are malicious. That's not what we're saying. Uh, Obviously, they have a vested interest in profits, and so they're making a device and they're trading convenience for privacy. We understand that. And that's one threat model. But putting that aside for a moment, the vast majority of people that are purchasing these technological devices are not people that really understand them, understand how to set them up or understand what to do with them properly. And so that's a problem. That and the terms and conditions change often on these devices. For instance, Facebook, Oculus, VR, now updating terms and conditions so they can start taking data and selling it to advertisers. So just because today that device isn't dangerous doesn't mean tomorrow it won't be. Ryan, with just a couple minutes left, I, I want to give you a chance to, uh, to, to thank you for coming on the program and thank your listeners for coming over, well, viewers, I guess, for coming over here and, and, and having this uh, discussion on the Ask Noah show. If people want more Ryan, more Dos Geek, where can they find you? 
head to dosgeekcommunity.com and check out the website there. I also have a list of my favorite things on there. You can check out also the Destination Linux podcast, which yeah. I have the distinct privilege of doing with you and Michael and Zeb. It's just one of the most amazing things. I, we have so much fun making fun of Michael and some of his purchases like stools. Exactly. And if you want to find more out about that reference, go to Destination Linux. Uh, or actually, we should send people to DestinationLinux.network because not only is there the Destination Linux uh, podcast, not only is there the DOS Geek show, and of course you're listening to the Ask Noah show, but we have a whole list of shows that are going to that, that, that are out now and we're adding more all the time. And so if you want more Linux content, I'd say each of us uh, on the network brings our own unique perspective to Linux and open source. And uh, and so obviously you have the hardware side. I kind of handle the help side. Um, and together yep. we we really make a powerful team, all of us that are involved. And so from our house to yours, we wish, wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, uh, whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, we're here to say thank you for listening to us at DestinationLinux.network and for listening to the Ask Noah Show. We don't take a break. We don't slow down. We don't back off. We go full steam ahead, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with perfectly executed technical analysis. We'll be back next week. I know it's New Year's Eve, but we'll be here with more of the Ask Noah show. Have a great week. Have a great Christmas. And thanks for being here. We'll see you next week, 6 p.m. Central. 